Hey everyone, I'm Mark Robison, and I'm a candidate for the North Carolina State Senate and representing Charlotte's District 39. I'm also your host for the Elephant in the Room podcast, where we tackle issues that a lot of folks are thinking about, but no one seems to be talking about. Today, we're going to tackle one that is on everyone's mind uh, and is probably not being talked about enough, and that's crime. We are in a massive crime wave. This crime wave is spiking. Uh, It seems like when you watch the news, it's just Chicago or L.A. or New York, and it's not. It's it's here in Charlotte, and it's in all the major cities, uh, and it seems to be getting worse. And, you know, one of the things we can do is pretend it's not happening and put our heads in the sand, or we can tackle uh, the elephant in the room, which is exactly that. Um, I can't imagine a better person to be a guest on my show uh, than my guest. Uh, His name is Jonathan Stepp. He spent 22 years in law enforcement, and most of that as a squad commander with the Charlotte-Mecklenburg Police Department. Uh, And most outstandingly, he was the recipient of the Medal of Valor in 2016. And in fact, now he hosts a podcast called Black and Blue Lives. So uh, nobody better uh, to talk about crime with. Jonathan, thank you. We're honored to have you today. Uh, Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. So... Here comes the elephant in the room. I'm just going to get right down to it. Why? Why is crime spiking the way it is across America? And of course, right here in Charlotte, what's going on? I can tell you exactly what the issue is. And and it's not only locally, but it's a reason across the nation that our country's facing this unique crime wave that we've never seen before, spiking violent crime. Uh, It starts from the leadership. So, um, you know, so the way law enforcement works is they entrust the police officers to go and arrest the bad guys. Right. So we go out, we find people commit crimes um, and we arrest them. Right. Then it's up to the judicial system to prosecute those individuals. Right. And, and it, you know, we all know, you know, there's George Soros, back DAs, all of these major cities that aren't enforcing the rule of law. And in return, there's no, penalty for the bad guys to commit a crime. Criminal justice one-on-one, I was a criminal justice major. I remember the first day of class, uh, the number one principle of criminal justice was the penalty of the crime has to outweigh the benefit of the crime. And that's just not happening. Oh, wow. That makes a lot of sense. Well, uh, you know, that that actually moves me. I, I, I was thinking about um, there, it's not just me. There's a, it's you. There's an awful lot of people that think the existing justice system is broken. Um, I mean, how how can it be fixed? What 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 needs to change? You you mentioned leadership. I I think I know exactly what you're talking about. But maybe some of the folks back that are watching or, or excuse me that are listening might want a little more uh, detail on that. When you say leadership, absolutely. And it, it starts with. That's why I'm one. I'm excited that you're in the running for an elected official so we could get the right people in office. And that's number one. We, we, we have the, the freedom of this country to, to vote for who we want as our leaders. That includes, uh, you know, at a state and federal level, as well as the local level. Um, and for the criminal justice, it starts with the legislators who, who, who make the laws and then pass it down to the prosecutors in force. Uh, DAs are really, really important uh, part of leadership that, decide what crimes they're going to prosecute or which crimes they're going to ignore. 
And a lot of times it just comes out of clearing cases. The, the, the core system is so overly, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's beyond a bubble. The bubble, the bubble yeah. was years ago. Now, you know, they have, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of cases. And a lot of times, you know, a very small percentage of those cases are actually go to trial. Most of them get pleaded out or dismissed. That's something that I've been hearing a lot lately. Um, you know, I met with, uh, this is frightening. I mean, I, I am a, a big proponent of ending human trafficking. I just, I, it stuns me when I realize that we are like the 15th largest city in the country, and yet we're the sixth worst city in the United States for human trafficking. So, you know, a few months ago, I said, well, you know what? I need to get to the source. I, I talked to um, our, I guess it was CMPD's human trafficking division. And, you know, there were uh, two officers and one of them, I believe, is retired. I mean, this, there's not a lot of folks. And they said that, you know, they'll work on a case for a year or two. And next thing you know, they'll take it to the DA and they're so overworked or different. Maybe they don't think this is as bad as it is. And they dismiss them, like you just said. Um and I think that's got to be very frustrating, which really leads me um, to the next part of this. And this is really about you, Jonathan, but this is about a lot of people like you. Um, you know, why did you leave? And a much more related matter, uh, something that's happening every week in Charlotte. Why is the Charlotte Mecklenburg Police Department down 400 officers? What, what's happening? I tell you what, you know, with the authorized strength of roughly 2,000 officers to be 400 down, I mean, that's just a significant burden on the men and women that are patrolling our, our communities. And Makes a lot of worse and worse. A lot of calls are getting answered. And, and what I tell people all the time is the police department's become a lot like the fire department, where before we used to go look for fires and put them out. Now we we wait for the fire to happen and then we go take a report and leave and go to the next call. Uh, and, and that's a lot from the you know last five or six years of some of the movements we had and our law enforcement defund the police, which has put pressure on the administration and city council and mayors to kind of go the, you know, the few, but the popular uh, route is to kind of throw the cops under the bus. So yes. and officers are scared to do their job. Right. So, uh, you know, I've been in a couple of shootings. I had my partner shot beside me in 16 was led to a shootout. Uh, these people are dangerous. So we, we need to be able to put them, arrest these people, right. And do it professionally. If, if I'll tell everybody, if, if officers out of line, I'm, I'll be the first one to call that officer out and, and hold him accountable. I was a sergeant over street crimes unit and also help implement the new use of force policy called the response resistance for the Charlotte Mecklenburg Police Department. So I'm, I'm fully aware of uh, how officers are supposed to conduct themselves. And, and, and especially a, a large agency like Charlotte, uh, we have a great, you know, plethora of, of experience and, and ethical backgrounds right. and they do, they do a good job and, and they need the support of the administration as well as the city council. So when that, when that happens, we'll get back out there and start shaking the bushes a little bit. I got to tell you, it seems to me that, and I, and again, this is the elephant in the room. I'm going to put it right out there. These criminals are becoming bolder and bolder and bolder. And um, I'm going to, I'm going to get in the, the history or I guess I'll get in the time machine, go back a few years, not many, 2017, when we had the riots in the fall of 2017, you were right in the middle of all that. 
And oh. there was a, uh, I guess, not a leader of the riot, but he was filming the riots. And next thing you know, um, I guess he got involved in it. And he, there's a picture of him standing up and, you know, with the kind of basically boldly telling, you know, I don't know what that was, that what that that body language was, but it kind of said, you know, to heck with you, police department. And next thing you know, a year later, he's on the city council. Uh, I'm talking about, you know, Braxton Winston. And and there's another uh, member who was just elected in July, uh, Luana Mayfield, who, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, was inferring that the police are terrorists. Absolutely. That's two members of an 11 member city council. So I guess my question is, what does that do for morale? And is that why people are leaving in droves? If you, if those are the leaders of our city, and, and I don't want to make a speech here, I want your input on this, but it really upsets me that those two people, especially, uh, are on city council. And what is that going to do for the CMPD and its morale, especially? So I also sat on the board with uh, the past chief, Putney, uh, kind of we did morale and talked about stuff. And and he was always quick to to say that, you know, there's really two people on the council at the time that supported law enforcement uh, and the rest of them were political. And, and Braxton, I was in the front lines from the very beginning of the riots all through it. You know, we were working 16, 20 hour days. Uh, multiple officers were injured uh, and Braxton's an educated man. He, you know, he went to Davidson. Uh, I've, I've spoken to him on several occasions. He's he's articulate. He's he he seems like a really nice guy. But the problem is for what he's standing for. And I think a lot of that he did for just to get his name out there is he wanted the calls to get behind to get his name out. And, and he's he's really anti law enforcement. And a lot of his comments he said and things he's done has has, has demonstrated that. And the problem is if the politicians aren't going to back the the law enforcement who who were out here trying to do the right thing, then it it puts pressure on the administration to not want law enforcement, proactive law enforcement to happen because they're worried about perception. Perception is not only in, in Charlotte, but everywhere. That's the main thing. It doesn't matter if you do the right thing before, as long as officers stayed within uh, state law, federal law and policy, they were good to go. Right. So, you know, it, those are the th- main things three things they were judged on, but now it doesn't matter. You know, they could also could do everything right, but it looks bad. And sometimes the use of force will look bad and they'll get thrown under the bus. And, and that, that encourages officers. They don't feel supported. And the, especially your Charlotte, most larger cities were paid really well as a sergeant. You know, I was making over a hundred thousand dollars a year before overtime. So, and we have officers making in the nineties. So people were leaving, you know, leaving early, giving up their retirement, yep. just and going to smaller agencies or leaving the state. I've had several uh, officers that work for me that went to Florida for less pay, but they have the support that we don't have. It sounds like you can quantify what what support looks like. In other words, you know that you you can't really say, okay, well we've we've got the backing of our city government. That is massive because if you don't, I mean, those are those are you know your employers are the people that represent the people that you're out protecting. And when they're saying the things they are, and um, of course you're going to go to Florida, you're going to go somewhere where you're not only appreciated but um, you know a little safer for crying out loud. I, I, I think about, and you know, every night we watch the news, 
you you had a dangerous job five years ago. It seems like it's far more dangerous today than it even was five years ago. I mean, is that a, a fair assumption? No, hundred uh, percent. And and you know you hear the phrase the, the revolving door of justice. So uh, if we do arrest somebody, you know the, the bar has been risen. Kind of what we enforce when we arrest. What do we do because we're we're low on resources, right? So uh, people don't realize how busy a major metropolitan city is as a Charlotte. Uh, I mean, you know, a lot of times officers log on in a shift and there's twenty calls in queue. I mean, right. it'd be dispatched, and when they log off, it's the same way for the next shift. And, and a lot of these calls that to most people were very important, we can't even go to because we have to go to the violent crime and crimes in progress. So it is just a staffing number. We don't have the staffing. We, we were short with the with the rate of growth in Mecklenburg County prior to the mass exodus of, of officers. Oh, my gosh. But it's 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 beyond a crisis. It's very dangerous. And, and never in. The history, I lived in Charlotte since 2000. Uh, you know, I was a police officer during 9-11 and the outpour support the community gave us, how we were treated. It's right. to- totally different than it is now. That's, it, it seems like I, I remember that. Everybody had put out flags. We were all thanking uh, firemen, officers, police officers. And, um, you know, if anything good could have come out of that, that was one thing is we appreciated the people that are protecting us. You know, um, my district, the one that I'm running for, um, encompasses Steel Creek. And I believe that was that was an area that you were covering. Somebody told me, and I guess I'm looking at a map, it's like 60 square miles. And someone recently told me there are less than 10 officers that are able at any one time to be covering that territory. How is that possible? It's it's not dangerous to all the community with response time. Um, yeah. Also, the officers who are responding. Uh, so. 10 would be a stretch. So they have a staffing. I worked at Still Creek over the street crimes unit. Uh, we spent a lot of time in the high crime areas. Uh, and now the crime in Still Creek, they're right. in, the homic- in cities in the homicide due to the increase in homicide. I remember when we worked there, we would have four to six a year. I mean, and that number's double, if not tripled. Yeah. And, and, and same thing, it's, it's lack of enforcement lack of prosecution and no consequences of these people getting out. But the problem is I, I, I've talked to some of the sergeants and some days they have four people a shift for 60. Oh so our population and square mileage is about roughly the size of Asheville. Right. So the square yeah. mile with the population that we have there and, and, you know, they have 300 or so officers. Steel Creek is down to the low sixties right now of officers that, that includes command staff. Oh my goodness. Detectives. So people actually answering calls, is it's it's four on a good day four maybe eight uh, per shift. So bolder criminals and uh, a weakening, um, I guess a, a shrinking police force. This this doesn't look good to me. Going two years in the future, three years in the future. This this is not this this is, we can't bury our heads in sand. And I'm a I'm an optimist. Always been an optimist. This doesn't look good. No. future. You know, last Saturday, uh, we had three homicides in Charlotte. Uh, you know, I read a statistic last week and verified it that that Atlanta PD per capita has more homicides than Chicago. Uh, and, and we're wow. we're usually a year or two behind Chicago. And so I'm sorry, uh, Atlanta. So they're you know, every every major major metropolitan city is having the same issue. But but uh, it's people were fleeing the the, the cities 
look what's happened in New York and uh, San Francisco and Los Angeles for the lack of law enforcement. They and are like they're leaving. And that's what the, I, I guess the district attorney in, in San Francisco was recalled um, because not he wasn't soft on crime. He just didn't think there was any crime or if there was, they shouldn't have to pay any consequences, just like you just mentioned. And I think Los Angeles decided not to recall their um, district attorney. Um, I've heard uh, pretty decent things about ours. I, I, I guess I'm a, I'm of the opinion that you got to make the consequences. I, and I think you you said it best a while ago when you said um, it, w- w- the consequences have got to fit the the crime. In fact, you got to make it so that it's so bad that they won't want to do it again. Exactly. Uh, and it's there that isn't happening. I mean, hearing people are getting released the next day, kind of things. Uh, I mean, it's not it wouldn't be uncommon that the someone would get arrested for murder and with maybe sometimes a day, sometimes a few hours, they would get out and they'd put them on the e-embrace electron monitoring. And while out, it's, it's very common for someone out on bond for violent crime to recommit a homicide, which we've had it happen multiple times in robberies and in any violent crime. So it's very common for that to happen. It's, and, and, it didn't so, make sense. It, it, you know, I can tell you five, six years ago, if we had to arrest somebody, they would plead us, hey, please don't arrest me. You know, beg us not to arrest me because they knew there would be consequences and they yeah. might spend some time in jail. Now they laugh at us and they know that they're going to get out probably with a written promise or unsecured bond where they don't have it to put up any collateral and they're yeah. out. Officers finished with the paperwork. That, that's unbelievable. Um, and yet it's true. Uh, this It's almost like we're writing some kind of dystopian future of, uh, you mentioned Soros. Um, you know, I can't see anything. You know, I, I'm trying, I always try to put myself in other people's shoes. Okay. Why is the DA doing this? Maybe it's, maybe there's a reason here. What on earth are they thinking? And again, going back again to the morale, if you've got to go out and rearrest a guy tomorrow, they committed murder yesterday, but he got back on the streets. What what on earth is going on? It, it's it's you know the liberal, ultra liberal, re, redefine the police movement. Redefine it. It, it. it hasn't worked, right? So we see that in every right. you know this goes off on crime rehabilitation. It doesn't work. They're bad people. Yeah. You know there there could there's room for criminal justice to reform, right? And you know a lot of people look at marijuana should be decriminalized or nonviolent crime be substance abuse could be treated differently. So be thrown in prison, maybe mandatory inpatient treatment or something. But the problem in our mental health system in in North Carolina needs needs a needs a lot of redo. But but police always get the blame for if anything needs needs done. It's uh, but 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 there's room for improvement. And we need people in leadership like you to get there and, and actually make changes. Well, thanks. I, you know, it, it, when when this uh, when the city council election happened a couple of weeks ago, it was in July, which I don't know you could have planned a worse time to have an election. Um, and you know, we had a twelve percent turnout, and of course, we put back the same people that we were just talking about a few minutes ago. And it just made me it made my heart drop because I spent a lot of time campaigning for for. Uh, the candidate, the Republican candidates who were pro-law enforcement and none of them won. Um, Tart McCarry got sent back just barely. And what it wor- it worries me to the point of, I'm going to go to the state house. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm running for the state house. What can we do from the state perspective? Do we need to send state troopers into the streets of Charlotte? Uh, it just, it almost seems like we, we're going to, are we going to hire mercenaries? What is next? 
I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know, but I do know that there's no short-term easy fix that we've created a problem. Um, You know, and to your point earlier, we do have a good DA. The problem is they don't have enough assistant DAs to handle the cases and they get judged on uh, case clearance. Right. So a lot of, you have solid cases and it's frustrating for a lot of you have solid cases and they, they, you know, come up with anything to dismiss it, produce it. So, so, but, but, but to your point, you know, the water Mayfield, you know, she was reelected after calling police terrorists, which would, which was a huge, huge punch in the gut to law enforcement. Huge. And, uh, you know, she was called out by, by some CPD wives and she kind of blew them off and she got reelected. So, and I, and I think a lot of people just don't know, they know the name and they go yeah. and, and it's our fault for not voting, right? So if you don't get out there and vote, yeah, make a difference. You can't complain about the results. Amen to that. And, and and that's what's happening is that you know a lot of people don't know about the local elections, <laughs> even the state elections. Sometimes you know yeah. we'll, we'll last turnout it was a little low, but but I think people were waking. I'm hoping people were waking up, and we put people in place. It starts from the top down. It starts at the state level, yeah. right? And, and 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 then works works its way down. Works its way way down. You're mentioning voting. And of course, I can't emphasize that enough. When when we had a 12 percent turnout, it was just it was it was heartbreaking. Um, but this is my favorite part of the segment because it always ends on optimism. And yeah, this is a dark topic, but um, I like to call this the wave the magic wand. So uh, if you could wave a magic wand and could change the justice system, not only here in Mecklenburg County, but really state and nationwide to turn this ship around what would you change with that magic wand? What are you going to change that's going to turn this around? So what's going to have to happen? And so we had a huge spine uh, crime rise in the when crack came, crack cocaine came in the streets, especially in Charlotte. You know, the homicide rate was about number wise the way it is now, but with the population, you know, less than half of what it is now. And, yeah. I, and I spoke to actually the sheriff. Right. So I spoke to the sheriff of, of Mecklenburg County, who was a homicide detective during that time. And I asked him, I said, what did you do to fix the problem with the violent? He said we had, they called him the jump out, but kind of like street crimes guys where they go out and do proactive policing, right? Mm-hmm. And lock people up that needed to be locked up, right? And they had the DAs, they had the federal prosecutors on board that would, we, we would take, take the cases, hey, this is a bad person, we need to lock them up in collabor- collaboration between these agencies. And, and to your point earlier, you know, the highway patrol, you know, they have a, a authorized force, a little less than Charlotte Mecklenburg police department to cover the whole state They're, You know, most of the time there's only three troopers at a time taken, you know, for the whole of Mecklenburg County. Oh, wow. They're, they're going to right direct and they don't have a lot of time to do traffic enforcement, much less help with, uh, with the stuff. So, but we, we, we need to get pressure from above from the state, get okay. funding that allows funding for our district attorneys and, uh, changes the the manner how we treat law enforcement look at law enforcement hold them accountable or you know demand um accountability but also support them and let officers go out there make arrests but when they make their arrests they have these people have to be held accountable and like it or not there's bad people that will kill you for blowing the horn at them i've seen it happen they blow the horn and they'll kill somebody or they kill you for your shoes or for five dollars they don't care right so or you disrespect them or or it, a number of senseless homicides. So uh, you got to hold those people accountable and, and put them where they need to be. It sounds like 
just we've got to back the blue. It sounds like leadership is going to have to turn its turn around and start backing law enforcement and let y'all do your jobs. Um, it's this is such a serious issue. And Jonathan, I cannot thank you enough. Um, this has been a fantastic, fantastic conversation, incredibly enlightening. And I, I you know, it, it, it it's not fun to talk about. But what I think is is the the truth is we can change this, and there are ways to change this. Um, so, Jonathan, thank you so much again for sharing your time with us today. Well, thank you for having me. And, um, you know, we're, me and my people, we're backing you and your and your bid. And uh, good luck to you. We need you up there. To <laughs> thank you so much. Um, so until next time, have a great day and always be on the lookout for the elephant in the